everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. I am your host, Brent Satoris, and today we are joined by a good friend of mine, Michelle Robbins, who is the head of digital at Milestone. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the future of SEO, what is important, what you should be focusing on, where things are going. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Michelle, uh, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be a part of this. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we are both in, in a couple of similar groups. We're both in SE Oktoberfest, uh, Brotherhood, Sisterhood, and um, we're both kind of privy to a lot of conversations with, you know, people at Google or people at Bing or people at the source uh, for a lot of this. And, you know, me and you have talked back and forth and we've been privy to a lot of conversations that really kind of talk about where is search going? Right. And specifically right now, it's interesting because a lot of times I look at, you know, the tactics that people are talking about, a lot of the strategies that people are talking about. And in the back of my head, I keep thinking when I'm listening to a lot of these, they're like, yeah, that's got about 12 months, maybe. And that's about it, you know, and, you know, and I keep thinking about how much people are focusing on kind of outdated strategies. And I think there's a lot of discussion and a lot of thought that's happening right now about where are we going? We're seeing less search results. We're seeing less freedom. We're seeing more control from Google on saying, you know, hey, if you're not going to feed us the data, if you're not going to set the site up the way we want it, then you know what? You're just not going to be here anymore. And we're seeing this kind of shift in search. And I think a lot of people would like to get a sense of where that's going. And I, I truly believe that your, you know, your background is, you know, obviously in SEO, but it's really heavily in tech as well and in digital and, 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 you know, um, and I think that there's a really good balance there that really shows us where things are going. The most important things in SEO today are all technical related, right? I mean, I think that you have a really good balance. So I'd love to pick your brain and, and get some, you know, ideas from you on where are we going with SEO? Big question, huh? (laughs) That's a very big question. Um, I mean, it's a really big question. And the answer is it's going in a lot of places, right? There's, There's not just one place that search is going. Because I do think that as Google's own technology stack has evolved and the way they're evaluating the data they're consuming has changed, um, that's tied to the way devices have changed and the way people are consuming the information, right? Everything's tied together. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that Google has done um, has done a better job of getting to where they had always hoped to be, right? So uh, when you consider that the you know the the framework for Google is we want to be the computer. So there's, you know, the computer on Star Trek where it's, you know, computer, mm-hmm. uh, what color is the sky today? Or, you know, it's a terrible example, exactly. but there's always one answer, right? There's one right answer. And Google's mission has been to be the one that produces that one best answer, right? Mm-hmm. Now, for a lot of things, there are a lot of good answers. And that's why we have such a diverse, you know, uh, result set in the search results. But ultimately, if you think about where they really want to be and how they're how they're going to get there. Then you back off from that to see where we are now and where we could be in another year. But everything's tied to um, how is how are devices changing? How are how are people's interaction with devices changing? Because Google has to respond to all of those, right? So it's no longer just you need some information. You type a query into a search box, right? People are getting information from a lot of different places. People are consuming information in a lot of different ways. And so a lot of the changes that we've seen in Google, especially over the last, I'd say, 12 to 18 months, are a reflection of that behavior change. 
So it's not just um, that Google is driving this bus solely, right? <laughs> they have to be responsive to what's happening uh, in the real world with users and with devices. And so it's it's a lot of give and take in that, I think. That now, now do, you, do you feel like the transitions that are happening in search are going to happen over time? Or do you think we're going to hit some points where there's just some massive disruption? I mean, part of one of the things that I've noticed with Google is they've got a lot more transparent. Um, they, they, they're pretty comfortable with telling you a lot of elements uh, that they're working on. And I've wondered, is that because they're, they're, this is all going away? Like, are they transitioning to a true AI? You know, are they transitioning to just user activity? They have phone devices. That's the, the biggest, you know, you know, usage right now. Um, are they going to, you know, do you think there's going to be, you know, multiple years left of kind of the traditional SEO practice? Or do you feel like we're looming a, a kind of significant, massive, you know, change that's going to happen almost overnight? So um, two things. I think that they give us the information they want us to have. And I think they've always done that. So I don't, I don't know that they're necessarily more transparent than they have been. I just think that they probably have realized that they can get better results from us if they give us more information. Interesting. But, they're, but they're only giving us what they need us to have and what they need us to understand, right? Um, having said that, I think that... Um, I've already forgotten the second part of your question. <laughs> I was saying, like, is, it, is this going to happen, like, over time? Like, when we looked at mobile, mobile was like an eight-year transition, right? And then and okay. even when they went to, like, mobile search and mobile-friendly and stuff, like, there was still, like, a two-year kind of window. And my question is, are we going to continue to see long windows like that? Or are we going to see things where it's like, oh, you don't have schema, you're screwed. And that's even given a two-year window. Right. right. I think that, um, so the reason why the mobile window was so long wasn't because Google couldn't handle it or adapt to it or iterate on it. It was because the market couldn't, yeah. right? It, it was because you had so many sites that had just never caught up. And so Google's come out, you know, Google's gotten a lot more, um, I just think, you know, uh, can't think of the word for it, but they've gotten a lot more uh, specific about if your site's not fast, you're not going to rank. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they finally just kind of ripped the bandaid off and said, now we're going to judge you and don't complain if you're slow. Right. They're, they're very explicit about that. And they did that because uh, if they hadn't, would as many sites have ever done the work needed to become more mobile friendly? Mm -hmm. Right. So they yeah, can they are they can absolutely push the market forward by doing these kinds of things and they know it but they have to be careful about it because again they still have to serve the users they still need to have the best information and sometimes the best information may not be on a very mobile friendly site right all things being equal you know that a fast site is going to win in that search result but in the absence of, but all things being equal and they're all slow right <laughs> google still needs everybody to to be faster and go and that that needle is going to keep moving as well, right? So once 5G rolls out, we have a bar right now that we think, okay, we look at the speed tool. Oh, we're doing great. We're doing great. Nothing changes on our sites. Nothing changes, you know, in the world. But suddenly 5G gets rolled out and people are adopting it and people are having devices that can, you know, 
work at a much faster rate, that needle is going to get moved again. So sites sure. that previously were considered fast, hey, guess what? You're no longer so fast. You need to fine tune it again. So it's never going to be a set it and forget it kind of world on our end of it, right, for the work we do with our clients. It's going to be a constantly evolving state. And so I think it's both. I think that Google's going to drive it because they can, right? <laughs> They're, they've, got the, they've got the reach that we all need. So we need to respond, but I think they're going to be as measured as they can be in pushing people forward because they have to be, you know, again, they still have to serve good data. Um, with respect to AI, I mean, obviously, there's a tremendous amount of AI controlling the SERPs right now, right? Which is why you see good and bad results. It's interesting. I always, um, whenever I see people write blog posts, you know, everyone has an opinion about a given change or given update or given this or that. And they see a, a very specific, you know, one case scenario where they see, see, nothing's changed. They told us things changed, but look at this query and nothing's changed. I think that that goes to a fundamental lack of understanding of how queries are so very contextual, right? Mm -hmm. So you running a query from your office in Florida on your desktop is going to be very different from me running that same query from my car in LA mm -hmm. on my phone right? The results that's going to be and should be completely different for the both of us. And there are more than three factors that go into that. It's more than just my device, my location, and um, uh, my device and location, I guess, is what we keep in on. It's more than those two things. Um, it really is, you know. Well, you get into uh, like, you're going to start getting into like where what your history is. And, you know, you start getting into, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of things. That's why we have the verbatim part of search results. It's like, oh, I'm still ranking. Well, yeah, you've been searching your site. Exactly, <laughs> It's going to exactly. show up there every time, yeah. you know. Go, yeah. go click verbatim and see how it looks, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, with the whole discover feature that's been rolled out, right? That's, that's you know, I've gotten a lot of questions about that from some clients. And I said, that's nothing we can, we can you know, optimize into. Because what that's about, that's about people's search histories. That's yeah. about what Google understands in total about that user. And when I say in total, I mean what Google understands from them, from data they have about what that user does, not on Google, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so how do you optimize for those kinds of things? How do you optimize for those moments? It's well, hard. I mean, it, it, well, it comes back to the original, you know, optimization that works the best overall. And that's fundamentally create good product. From, you know, exactly. ha have a good you know practice in general about the content you create, the social updates you make, the message you have, the customer service you provide, the partnerships you make. I mean, we're really seeing kind of that circle come back. Where you know, I think the biggest thing that people are are learning is that we have marketing you know psychology that was kind of usurped when when you brought you know online marketing into the play right everything about how we knew to sell to people was was changed right it's like oh well we want to have seven touch points no 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 put the buy button on the first page that's what you want you know it's just everything was counterproductive but it worked um, and then we saw, you know, smartphones kind of introduce mass population and now some of the old, you know, uh, marketing tactics are starting to come back into play. And now I love it because you, you watch everyone in digital point to examples of amazing marketing campaigns and they're never simply SEO campaigns. They're never simply, never. they're like, oh, this person never. did offline and online yep. with digital and media yep. and all these different things. And this is the, the great stuff about it. Um, 
And uh, that's what I think, uh, you know, kind of really instills a sense of uh, confidence going forward. Well, and, and it speaks to the fact that Google has access to all of that data now, right? Google mm-hmm. has access to what people do in the real world and what they do online. Um, it can marry, you know, offline and online. It can understand what brands are doing uh, in total, right? It's not just what people are doing on their website. And I think that's what a lot of SEOs have missed over the years. I've always been on the side of, you know, marketing is marketing is marketing. Yeah, and that we sure. that that we carved out this special little area and thought, no, this is fundamentally different and it's fundamentally, it plays by different rules. It's like, well, it plays by different rules today, but the fundamentals of marketing have always been the same. And what we're talking about and what you were just talking about with, you know, um, the who's really winning in Google, it's brands, right? And people get very upset, like, oh, Google favors brands. Google doesn't favor brands. Brands do things holistically. Brands do things omni-channel. Brands understand the totality of the customer journey, right? They're not just focused on people interacting with a search box or people interacting with the website. They know that that's just one of the many touch points that, uh, that a given customer has with a given brand. And if you're not amplifying across all of the available channels, then you're not going to be successful. I mean, you have to think about how would I market in the absence of Google, could my brand exist? And if the answer is no, you haven't done your work as a brand. For sure. And I think a lot of people, companies, marketers in general need to start focusing on, you know, what they're good at. I always see people do that. They're like, all my employees understand Facebook. All of my people are on Facebook. They all understand the features. We're going to go market on TikTok and we're going to ignore Facebook. And it's like, you know, I understand TikTok's like a, a kind of shiny object right now, but you're taking people out of what they already know and you're not doing anything in, you know, so I think that companies really do need, if you're thinking about where are we going, you, I, I definitely would say the future of search is really being more holistic and really being involved in all aspects of marketing in a high quality way. And that, that really requires you to evaluate yourself and determine what are you experts at? What are you good at? What, what is really meaningful that you can provide and then how do I you know put that to all the different channels exactly how does that fundamentally extend to everywhere you are right your messaging could be a little different because you're gonna you're gonna have a different message for an audience on TikTok than you are say for doing you know a four color ad in Vogue right it's going to be a little different message. It's going to be different imagery, but your brand should still come through no matter what channel you're on. And if you have a strong, if you have a strong sense of what your brand is and how to communicate that, you can communicate that across multiple demographics if your brand targets multiple demographics, right? So understanding who your customers are and meeting them where they are has always been key. And I feel like in SEO, we've been so focused on just Google. And it's like, well, how do we meet the customer just at Google? Instead yeah. of thinking holistically, how do we meet the customer when they're driving down their car? Billboards work. Billboards haven't gone away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, billboards, billboards work, people. You and, get a billboard. If you're, a, if you're, a, a lot of people look at that and they think, well, that's not SEO. And I think that's what people are really missing. Is right. that like you're, you need all these things for somebody to go and search for your brand. You need to drive, you know, you need conversions, you need return visits, you need time on site, you need all of these things as a part of performing in search. And I think a lot of people forget that and they're just like, I just need links and good content. (laughs) Exactly. So it's a question, you know, we we know, you know, we, 
and a number of people have kind of a vision for where search is going and, and certain people are a little closer to the source and might have some ideas of where these things are going. And I think you're one of those people. So if you were looking at kind of what you know is coming and where things are going and you know the history of search and where things have been, what are some of the things that you think you know, businesses and SEOs really should stop focusing so much on? Oh, keywords. Keywords. If I have to have another conversation about keywords, I think I might stab myself in the face. <laughs> um, it, it's really hard to move people off of something that, for one thing, you can easily track and easily understand and easily look at, right? So when we look at ranking reports, we're looking at, do my keywords rank? Well, um, for example, let's say we have a hotel in Boston. Is hotel in Boston really a good search anyone's going to make these days? I mean, maybe if they've never, ever been to Boston, perhaps, but I, people have gotten very good at using search and understanding that if they want to um, narrow, they, they do narrow, right? So they're probably looking for family-friendly hotel in Boston or um, hotels in Boston that can accept pets, mm -hmm. right? And focusing on things like that instead of just focusing on things like hotels in Boston. But um, my experience is that practitioners and clients, brands, you know, all kinds of people, they really just want to focus on, you know, I didn't, I didn't see, I actually, I, this is going to shock you because it shocked me. I had a conversation with someone last week where they talked about keyword density. And I was like, okay, we'll not be hiring you. I haven't heard um, that in a while. <laughs> because exactly, right? And um, and it, this was somebody who, you know, if you looked at their resume, you would have expected that they they wouldn't be, they'd have been beyond that, right? Because they had enough time in the business. Mm. But sometimes I also think time in the business might be against us. Because if you've, mm -hmm. if you've started out back in the day when it was all about keywords and it, that was the focus and you never moved on from that, then you're definitely getting left behind. And I think people need to understand that the opportunity in SEO and with the way that Google has evolved and changed, it's, it really is an opportunity to be more creative, to, when we talk about content especially, to understand that the best content is content that is going to resonate and make sense to a reader. And that's never something that has a bunch of keywords in it. Mm-hmm. We can all spot that stuff from a mile away. The whole checklist mentality. Have I done enough to check the boxes, right? <laughs> Google is really, really smart. You know, I have this argument a lot of times with, with other SEOs as well, because they don't think Google's very smart. And it's like they can always they can always pull up a query that Google has failed on, but that's usually an edge case. The yeah. things that the things that, that engine can divine from how you're searching is incredibly impressive, right? And um, there's one, there's an example that they actually used recently, I believe, in a, in a it might have been at Google Marketing Live, where they demonstrate um, that, you know, if you do a search right now in Google for why does my TV look weird or why does my TV look strange, the results that populate do not at all in any of the results that surface that query. The results that surface instead are all related to something called the soap opera effect. And that's really powerful because you're basically giving it a query and it's returning, you know, it returned a whole page of query of data. And I think it's really far down the page where that query even appears in some form or some of the words in that query appear. Everything else is about the soap opera effect because Google is smart enough to know that when somebody searches, why does my TV look weird? What they're really talking about is the soap opera effect. It's so weird. 
That's it's powerful. Awesome. Yeah. Right? Amazing. And what that says is you don't actually have to stuff your content with keywords anymore. Talk about topics. Talk like a real person. Talk, you know, um, write your content the way, writer, the way writers write stories, right? Um, nobody starts to write a story or a book thinking about, okay, how can I stuff this keyword into this page five times? Because yeah. that's a good keyword density, right? Um, you know, nobody, nobody writes that way. People don't talk that way. So I think the good news is that we're now able to be a lot more creative than we were, say, 10 years ago, where you did have to figure out, how do I make this content sound natural, and yet still stuff it with keywords? Yeah, and I think it's really interesting as well, like, so many of these, you know, keyword density is one thing, but like, content creation was another thing, right? I mean, content creation right now is another one of those. Are, that's one of mine, right? Got to create some content. Why? What do you What do you need to create content for? Well, we have to have freshness, right? It's, I guess like ten years ago, but like you know, I, I, well, we got we have to have a bunch of blog articles. What do you need a bunch of blog articles for? And they're like, well, we need to have keywords so that we can have long time. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. you know, so for me, content's that because we needed content and Google needed content so bad early on that we right. all got into this practice of like, oh, I need to create content every single day. Right. right? And, and so I can't create 365 articles a year of quality. So now I've. I'm recreating the same content with a different twist and I'm trying to find, you know, those little title generators where I can put in a couple of keywords and it gives me 500 different articles that I can write that none of them are good, you know? Right, and so right. it, I, that's one of the things for me that is, it, you know, I'd rather see people write really good content once every quarter yes, than, yes. than writing a crappy article every week. And, and, and yes. it's funny because even when you get to the conversation of is this quality, it's always like, does it does it pass the quality test? I'm like, do you have to ask? Like, you 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 shouldn't have to ask. Like, right. you either know it is or it's not. And and I think yeah. you're, you're you're fooling yourself. So so that's kind of the content thing. And I welcome you to kind of add to that if you want. But I want to ask you, what do you think about link building? So, I have the world's most unpopular opinion on link building. <laughs> I don't like link building. I don't think um, it's worth doing. It's, so it's, it, yeah, it's um, it's interesting because um, it was a number of years ago, and I don't think you were at this SEO Oktoberfest where I basically said, you know, SEO, you've had a good run. Cheers, you all did great for many years. Link building was the game. You you all did great, and you ruined it in spam. <laughs> and um, I, this is this is the argument I also get into where. I, you know, I say Google is smarter than people think, right? So um, everybody says, nope, links still matter, links still matter, links still matter, because they can produce all of this in quotes data demonstrating um, without really understanding fundamentally all of the other things at play within mm -hmm. Google's very sophisticated algorithm. Um, so I think that, um, I don't, I don't think that, I think that link building is, something that should happen rather naturally. And I think it really is more of an exercise in outreach and PR. And there are a lot of agencies doing really fantastic work in this because what they're doing is they are developing really great content exactly. and then they are promoting that content to the right outlets with the right audiences and getting, getting links that way. But they don't focus on links as a number right? They focus on the quality of traffic those links are going to generate. And so I think there are two different disciplines. I think one is really just PR, you know, so when we talk about link building, 
we're really talking about promoting great content. If you're thinking about it in terms of how many links can I acquire, you know, irregardless of the quality of those links, then um, you're doing it badly. And I believe Google can sniff that out. And I don't think that's a good long-term strategy. I don't even think it's a good use of time. I mean, here's the thing that I was doing recently. I was looking at, I was working in the teeth straightening space for a little bit, right? And, right. and I was looking at Invisalign. Invisalign did some, I mean... I don't mean to, to not knock their their marketing, but they did a really kind of you know simplistic survey. We're going to hit all our people up and ask them, did you feel happier after you had your teeth straightened? Well, I mean, come on. Yes, they felt happier, right? right? But the thing was they came back with these statistics that they put on their site years ago that were like 87% of people who got their teeth straightened feel happier. And um, 67% felt like it was the, one of the best decisions that they had made. And, you know, so they put these stats out there. Years later, after one little survey of their own audience, they get linked to all the time for those <laughs> stats. And I kept, and it's like these are the examples where it's like, look, you're out there spending ten grand, twenty grand, trying to build some links. You're out there, you know, trying to game systems, trying to manipulate systems, trying to buy links, trying to, you know, guest blog to get them. And I'm not saying that you know these tactics don't sometimes work. And I'm not saying that if it works for you, you shouldn't do it. I don't care. You know, I don't knock anyone's hustle. You know, if you're making it happen, make it happen, right? If you're comfortable, make it comfortable. But what if you spent that money and just did a survey and it created data that nobody else had? You, then every magazine, every article, every place out there is, is going to want to link to you. And, and you could even reach out to some of these editors and say, like, what kind of content would you really want to share? What kind of content would you want to link to? What do you not have that you would like created? And, and you could actually create some really unique content for, like, much less budget and get so much more from it. Right. And the key is creating valuable content. Yeah. You know, and I know people hate to hear that, you know, that, oh, it's just about, you know, make good content. Um, because the challenge with it is good, good content's hard. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you said, if you had to produce a great piece of content every day or every week, that's really hard to do, you know, and it's really, really hard to scale. So thinking about, you know, I, I kind of think it goes to, you know, when should you write when you have something to write about? Sure. You know, when you have something to write about, when you have a unique perspective to share, when you've got some valuable information to share, that's when that's when you should write. Um I mean, cheers. Like, I, I agree with you. I don't knock anyone's hustle. You know, cheers to the people who can, you know, spend every day writing a, you know, Google said this, Google said that blog post. Um, but at the end of the day, are you adding value into the ecosystem and, you know, thinking about that topic? Or maybe if you did it once a month or once a week, or not a once a week, once a month, once a quarter, you know, whatever, and put out something that's really valuable and in the long run is going to continue to be valuable and gain value as it gets older. I mean, I think a lot about, um, think about the frequency that Bill Slavsky writes. You're versus. the third person today that has mentioned Bill Slavsky to me. That I love Bill, you know, in the sense that, man, he has, he just creates content that nobody else can match. And he does. We, we talk about everything he does on Search Engine Journal. There's an article that references him. Everybody yeah. I know references him. This is one guy that has just literally managed to lock down the highest quality content on patent shit ever. Yeah. And you know when he writes? When he has something good to write yeah. about. 
(laughs) you know, and it shows, it shows because he's able to really dig deep on a topic. He's able to provide a lot of really great information. And I think that's, I think that's the frequency that people should aim for, you know, and that's the kind of content that ultimately will get discovered, will get shared and will win the day in the long run. And I think that a lot of people, um, you know, are held to short-term goals instead of long-term goals. So if you're constantly running up against short-term goals, and a lot of it's client-induced, right? I get it. Um, Then see what you can do to move that, you know? And I think a lot of what we need to be doing, especially the people that have been in the business for so long, is helping people to move, helping people to shift their ideology around what has been done, what has gone before, what's happening now and how to prepare for what's coming. And I think that that's the biggest struggle is, is moving everything at one time. Right. I had to give up. I had to give up my ink column. I I reached out to ink and I was really excited about writing with them. I was like, look, I I think I have some things I'd like to share. Um, I'd like to write. And then I got in there and I wrote what I thought was a great 2000 word article. You know, it really went, you know, deep and it had some really good, they're like, Oh, we don't publish anything more than 800 words. And I'm like, uh, okay, so then uh, then they wanted an article like every two weeks. I'm like, I don't have anything to say, and they're like, Well, you have to have something. And I, at a certain point, I was like, Look, I can't do this anymore. I can't write things super short and write it every two weeks and feel like I'm I'm providing anything worth value. So I ended up canceling, you know, and stop stop contributing to Ink just because I couldn't do it in a meaningful way, you know. So yeah, I definitely feel you that you you can have some pressures and things, but ultimately. You have to like really get out of that mindset. You know, these old, you know, SEO mindsets are just holding us back. Yeah, and I think it's hard to be an expert on everything, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that's why you know Bill produces such great work because he doesn't try to be an expert on everything. He's an expert on a couple of a couple of really tough disciplines, and he focuses on those. He doesn't try and you know write you know a post every week about link building or about content or about you know kind of topics that clearly are not his passion and where he adds value he's writing where he adds value and where there's a need and if if you want to become an authority then that's something you have to think about you have to think about well what am I going to focus on you know am I going to cover everything in SEO or am I going to focus on one or two corners of it that I can really provide value in and maybe once a month you know have something good to add I mean that also leads to a whole different area. I mean it leads to you know reputation. It leads to brand. It leads to the ability for speaking or to get published on other. Whether you're a brand or an SEO or an individual or celebrity, if you can find an angle that makes you special, you you open the doors everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Generalize yourself. You you really just kind of fall short on most things. Right, and I think that goes back to you know where search heading. You know. Search is heading to where it can figure all of those things out, right? <laughs> it's, there's, there's enough data about people, about industries, about verticals, about brands, where data can understand, uh, data, Google can understand that um, this person with this search history um, has this amount of knowledge on this topic. So the search results we're going to show to that person are going to be a lot deeper than the search results we show to somebody who's never performed a query on this topic before and probably needs more 101 type of information. Yeah, right? that's when we were listening, you know, that's when they were doing the, you know, claim review and some of the other kind of potential signals for going back to doing author profiling, right? I mean, I haven't seen where that's become a reality yet, but I definitely know, and you know as well, that there's been some serious conversations about getting back to author profiling. 
Um, and I'd be interested I, yeah. to see how that works itself out. I think author profiling was an exercise in training data that we all participated in willingly for <laughs> Google. I really do. Um, I, I'd, I'd be very surprised if that became an actual thing. So we talked about some of the things kind of like that we would like to see gone or at least, you know, you know, kind of have a fresh perspective, you know, on those. Let, let's talk about if you had to choose one thing that you think really people should double down on going forward, at least for the next year or two, what area of SEO do you think has the most potential that people should really be focusing on? Well, I would say it's technical, technical and content. And those are two very different disciplines, but I don't think you could have one without the other. I think you could have the very best, well-created, uh, you know, technical, fast, loading, perfect site. But if your content is bad, that's not going to matter, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, you could have really incredible, outstanding content that nobody else has. Well, probably somebody else has, um, because you'll only surface if nobody else has it. But let's say that, you know, you've got really, really, really great content, but your site is slow as molasses, then it's not going to be successful. So I think it's those two in conjunction. I think it's really understanding um, what Google wants and needs from a technical perspective and meeting them at the door as often as you can. Uh, sometimes that can be difficult because, you know, clients have different requirements for, you know, for scripts and features and things like that they need to meet their customer, right? So they need to meet their customer at one door and their Google at the other, and they're often not in the same place. So a lot of times business decisions you, you have to make that are best for your business overall, not necessarily best for Google, but um, meeting meeting them in the middle, meeting your customers in Google with your technology and your content offering, that's the key. Well, I think you, one other thing I would add to that is that I know that people have customer goals and they feel like sometimes they're spread between customer goals and Google goals. But I, I, I will tell you that any place that I buy from, if you haven't shipped my item in two days, I will never order from you again. <laughs> yeah, um, Amazon's ruined that. For Amazon everyone. has absolutely <laughs> ruined it. And I, I, I'm serious. Like, I sat there one time and ordered a gift, and it was two weeks, and I got the notification that it shipped. And I thought to myself, how does that happen? How, how does it even fundamentally happen? It, but that's fine years ago. But I think we, we really need to respect the fact that. Um, there is a standard that gets set, and Google is setting that standard. Yes. And, and so is Amazon. And so even if you feel like you have a business need with your customer, you really need to accept the fact that your customer is shifting through different life cycles of the sales process and that you have to pay attention to that data. You, you know, I, I, forever B2B people are like, well, I don't care about mobile. Everybody who does mine is on a desktop. Nah. Not so much, you know. Um, so I definitely think that, you know, technical and content, I agree. Uh, I pretty much only talk about those two things now to anyone. It's like, <laughs> you know, if, if you're not doing technical, it's not only just because it's, it's valuable for the user, but it's also very much a requirement. Like these are the things that are becoming a requirement. You know, sure. we, we're going to see that there is no longer going to be 50 websites uh, publishing the same general content and all of them ranking. That's just not happening anymore, and it's not going to happen. And it's going to be tougher and tougher, especially as we start seeing websites go away and you start seeing 
you know, apps and interfaces and whatever your operating system is on your phone becoming the dictator of what content you see, they're just not going to show 12 different versions of the same content. And so content has to be unique and your website has to be technically sound or you're not going to be included anymore going forward, really. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. I think we're I think we're seeing that now, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, that's the challenge. And it goes to, like you said, understanding user expectations as well. If your site takes, you know, five seconds to load, forget it. On a mobile phone, especially users out, you know, users thinking something's wrong, going somewhere else. Yeah. I do it. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the worst offenders. It's funny. It's like, well, I don't have time to read that article anyway. I'll just go somewhere else. You know what it's kind of like? It's like when people had the websites that didn't properly they weren't structured properly so shit load I'm sorry stuff loads and then it pushes everything else down so I'm trying to click something and all of a sudden I'm clicking something else because the screen just jumped on me it's like there's certain things that you just can't do that are annoying to people and expect them to stay on your site and slowness right. is, is a problem with that uh, Michelle, I, I always love talking to you about this stuff. I'm looking forward to sitting down and talking about a lot more of this type of stuff with you when I see you in Germany. Um, where can other people find you? People want to find you. They want to find the stuff you're creating. They want to you know, find your contact details. They want to follow you. How do people find you online today? You know, I'm most active publicly on Twitter. Um, so they can find me at Michelle Robbins, two L's, two B's on Twitter. Um, I'm going to start doing a lot more writing for uh, the Milestone blog, mm-hmm. right? Um, I haven't had much time <laughs> to do that just yet, but it is something I miss doing. But again, um, you know, I'll write when I have something good to say and some good information to put out there for everyone. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. But find me on Twitter. Definitely. I always interact with folks and um, that's where I keep up. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Michelle, always a pleasure to have you uh, on the show. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Really love your insight. Love what you had to say today. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Brent. Cheers. Cheers.